On behalf of Copeland Financial Ministries, I would like to welcome you to the Advanced Biblically-Based Estate Planning Workshop Series. The presenter, Tom Copeland, is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom is a chartered professional accountant and the founder and president of Copeland Financial Ministries. Tom's Financial Moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations. For more information, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance. Now, here's Tom teaching what the Bible says on estate planning. I'd like to welcome you to the Advanced Biblically-Based Estate Planning Workshop Series. This is Session 4, Financial Planning and Saving for Retirement. Financial planning and saving for retirement, it's actually tied to estate planning. Some people may ask why. Reason, if you don't do any financial planning and if you don't save for retirement, then uh, you won't have anything to distribute in accordance with your estate, so there won't be any need to do any estate planning. And it's actually very biblical to uh, plan and save for future needs, as you'll find out as we go through this workshop series. And it's biblical to leave uh, an inheritance. Uh, Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. Now, in order to save for retirement, you need to do some biblically-based financial planning. There's really no option. You have to do some financial planning. So the question, some people may raise the question, what is financial planning biblical? Does God want us as Christians to do financial planning, including saving for retirement? Or should we just live paycheck to paycheck and trust God to meet our needs? I've heard some Christians uh, quote the scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, open quote, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path, end of quote. Uh, they've quoted that and say, well, I don't need to save for retirement. I'm just going to trust the Lord, and he's going to look after me. So is their position right? Is, is it, uh, does, does financial planning and saving for future needs demonstrate a, a lack of faith? Or is there any, could one argue that there's no need to do it? All we need to do is trust the Lord. The answer, I think, is clear from Scripture. The answer is no. God wants us to do financial planning and eventually do estate planning. He wants us to save for retirement. Why do I say that? Because there's so many scriptures in the Bible, about 40 of them, that admonish us to plan ahead. And uh, part of that planning, uh, from a financial perspective, would be financial planning and saving for retirement, and then eventually at a later date, doing some estate planning. So let's consider some of the scriptures. Uh, let's look at the parable of the tower first in Luke 14, 28 to 30. Jesus um, said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Now, you may not want to build a tower, but maybe you want to build or save for future health care costs or re future retirement needs or whatever. Jesus says, so suppose one of you wants to do something. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. In other words, Christ is saying, if we don't plan ahead, we're foolish. We need to plan ahead. God wants us to plan ahead. And part of planning overall in life is financial planning for retirement. So I love this other scripture. Now, if you forget everything I say, uh, just memorize and meditate on this one scripture. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. In other words, People that live paycheck to paycheck, they spend all the regular income and they have no savings. They're actually foolish. If you look at the NIV version of this, Proverbs 21.20, it says, In the house of the wise, there is a storage of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. 
So God wants us to save for future needs. Unfortunately, most people don't do that. And so when an unexpected expenditure comes along, they're forced into debt. Most people don't save. They just live paycheck to paycheck and, and spend all their regular income. So God wants us to save not only for um, non-monthly expenses like uh, future bills that you know you're going to get in the next year, for example, next year's vacation or whatever, but God also wants us uh, to save on a long-term basis for things like retirement. Also have a look at Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. So often people make hasty, quick decisions, especially when they're out and about and they're buying things on credit cards. And when you make hasty, quick decisions and you don't have a financial plan and follow it, you're likely going to end up um, with some financial difficulties. So again, I mentioned 40 references in the Bible to planning, and generally they admonish us. God admonishes us to plan ahead. So clearly God wants us to do financial planning. I would uh, categorize financial planning in three, three categories. Short-term financial planning, medium-term financial planning, and long-term financial planning. Under short-term financial planning, what I'm thinking of there is planning and saving for non-monthly expenses such as annual insurance premiums, auto expenses, house repairs, vacation, etc. Let's suppose um, you've got an annual insurance premium that's $1,200 and it's going to come due next year. You're best to set aside $100 a month into a savings account so you have the funds when the premium comes due so you don't have to put it on a credit card or a line of credit. Now the same thing applies with vacation. Suppose you want to take a vacation next year with your family and it's going to be a real nice one and it's going to cost about $2,400, that's $200 a month. You should be setting aside $200 a month in your savings account in addition to any other annual expenses that you have such as insurance premiums, etc. Set it aside that $200 a month so you have the funds when that um, expense comes due. So you don't have to put it on a credit card and then end up paying um, loan shark interest rates on that credit card. If you want some help with saving for the non-monthly expenses, go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org, and download um, the Copeland Budgeting System, and form number three of the Copeland Budgeting System will help you do that. Now, if you have another system, that's fine. The key is that you do this kind of short-term uh, financial planning. In terms of medium-term financial planning, an example would be uh, planning and saving for automobile replacement, major house repairs, and children's education. Let me give you a couple of examples here. Automobile replacement. Very, very few people in this country save for their next automobile. So as a result, about 90 to 95% of the people borrow money each time they go to buy a car. And most people have a car loan all of their lives. That's not necessary if you follow some biblical principles diligently. Here's what I would suggest. Let's suppose you're uh, into a car loan already, and let's suppose you're three years into a five-year loan. Continue paying that loan to the end of uh, the five years. And then start saving that money that you're putting aside or you're paying on that car loan, whatever it is, start saving that in a savings account for your next car. But be sure to keep that car. Don't, don't trade it in every five years. Keep it for at least 10 years. Sometimes cars will even last 15 years. And so take the next uh, X number of years, whatever it is, after you've paid off your loan to save for your next car so you can start paying cash for cars rather than uh, having to borrow and buy. So that's, that's the best way to do it and the best way to get out of always having a car loan. And one of the nice things about saving for your cars rather than borrowing and buying is the fact that, um, let's say you, you're always borrowing and buying. If you miss one or two loan payments, they're going to repossess your car fairly quickly. If you're saving for your next car and you miss setting aside the funds for one or two or three months, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. Nobody's going to come and take your car from you. You just try to catch it up later or you buy your next car three or four months later. That's all. 
Other things, children's education. I typically recommend that parents save for their children's education. Start saving for it shortly after they, um, the child is born. Uh, I would suggest about $100 a month into a registered education savings plan. Now that applies if you're, uh, if you're resident in Canada. But even if you're not resident in Canada, it's just a concept of starting to save for your kids' post-secondary education shortly after they're born. And once they start to get an allowance or some income, get them to save some money as well. For example, one thing I teach parents to teach their kids, teach your kids to give. The tithe 10% is, is the guideline. Teach them to save. I would suggest 40% out of, out of the income they have. And teach them that they shouldn't spend any more than, let's say, 50%. And then have them take a portion of that 40% and put it into, um, into the registered education savings plan as well. So they have an investment there too. And it, uh, it just makes them more responsible. And, and those are key biblical principles to teach your children. Learn to give, learn to save, and uh, don't spend more than, you know, just make sure you, you, you stay, you don't spend any more than the remaining amount. It's that simple. In terms of long-term financial planning, some examples would be saving for retirement, which we're talking about here, but also saving for future health care costs. All of us are going to get older. Some of us will die suddenly, but most people don't. Most people typically live for quite a number of years, and people are living longer and longer now, and most of the time, elderly people have health care issues when they're in retirement, when they're older, whether they've retired or not. It can be uh, nursing home costs, retirement home costs, additional medical expenses, or whatever, you know, other kinds of bills, health care bills related costs that could arise. So we need to save for those things. We also need to save for... So what does the Bible say about retiring or retirement? What do you think about that? What does the Bible say? I did a search through scripture and I could find only one reference to the word retire and it's in uh, Numbers uh, chapter 8 verses 23 to 26. The Lord said to Moses, this applies to the Levites, men 25 years old or more shall come and take part in the tent of the meeting but at the age of 50 they must retire from the regular service. They may assist their brothers in performing their duties at the tent of the meeting, but they themselves must not do the work. So it's interesting, although the Levites were required to retire from the heavy workload at age 50, they were to assist their brothers. I think part of this assisting would be training to them, advising them, counseling them, acting, uh, and in a sense they sort of became like overseers or managers. So they didn't retire in a worldly sense where they just spent all their time and leisure and taking holidays and that kind of stuff. They retired from the heavy workload and then they delegated the work to the younger Levites and they trained them and they assisted them in the performance of their, of their duties. So although a Christian may retire from their regular full-time job as they get older, I believe God wants us to continue to do ministry work of some kind. Remember, God used Moses and Joshua greatly from ages 80 to 120. So if God can use Moses and, and Joshua between ages 80 to 120, he can use us as well. Nowhere in Scripture does God tell us to retire and then sit on the sidelines. Rather, God has created us for a purpose. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, and we know from Scripture there's lots to do. We even know from real life there's lots to do. I think of where Jesus said in Luke uh, chapter 10, verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God wants us to save for retirement, but when you get to retirement, I don't believe God wants us to sit on the sidelines 
and, and do nothing. I think there's a lot of uh, talent in the Christian community that is sort of sitting on the sidelines and not doing much. So we need to be available to the Lord and be willing and, uh, and want to do ministry, things of eternal value. It could be just doing more work in your local church. God could send you on a missions trip, whatever God's called you to do. Pray about it, and I'm sure the Lord will, will direct you. So now the question is, is saving for retirement for everyone? Because I've seen many, many people in the last, uh, since 1977, tell me that uh, I'm not going to save for retirement because I'm never going to retire. I'm always going to work for the rest of my life. Well, that's idealistic because the reality is, although some people may, you know, work for the rest of their life and then die suddenly, most people don't. For most people, as they get older, their health starts to deteriorate and they have to slow down. They can't work as much or maybe at some, many times they can't even work. So you cannot assume, you cannot presume on the future as James talked about in James chapter 4. And uh, so we need to save for retirement and save for future health care costs because the probabilities are very high that you are going to have some additional health care costs as you get older. So uh, you, you, you want to do that. So. And who knows, it may be you that has the health care issues, it may be your spouse. I think of a case with a, a businessman, he had a very successful business, he and his wife tended to spend all their income. I tried to convince them otherwise, but they didn't, they continued to do so. He said he wasn't going to ever retire, he was going to keep working, and he worked up until about his early 70s and he died suddenly of a heart attack. He left his wife destitute. His, his wife's financial needs became a burden for his kids, and that's not, uh, that's not biblical. God wants us to save for retirement and save for future health care costs. And also, he wants us to have some savings for when we die. Because remember, it's a good man that leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. So it's, it's just prudent to do that. How do you do this? Uh, I think um, one of the keys is developing a budget or a cash flow plan to make sure that you're spending less than you earn and you have a surplus to pay down debt and save for future needs. If you don't have that monthly surplus, if you're not managing your monthly cash flow well, then you'll probably never be able to um, save for retirement. And you'll probably end up with a, a lot of debt as well. Okay, here's some recommended steps. Number one, know your financial facts. Proverbs 27, 23 says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks, give careful attention to your herds. In other words, list out your assets and liabilities and Start tracking where your money goes. So often we sit down with couples, he makes X, she makes Y. It's enough money, but they don't know where their money's going. And uh, so you need to know your financial facts so you can make wise financial decisions. And frankly, it's biblical. Now, to help you um, track your expenses, if you go to uh, copelandfinancialministries.org, you can download the Copeland budgeting system, which is Excel-based. Form number six will help you track your expenses. And to list your assets and liabilities, uh, form number one of the Copeland budgeting system will help you do that. If you have another system, that's fine, just as long as you're doing something to track your, um, your expenses, where your money's going, and also to document and write down and update on a regular basis, how much money do you owe? Where are, what are your assets? Are there some assets you can sell in order to pay off some debt? Just so you understand where you're at financially. A lot of people don't. These are all available. Uh, next, develop and implement a spending plan or budget to ensure that you're spending less than you earn and have a surplus to pay down debt and save for future needs. And if you're married, be sure to do this with your, your spouse. 
You want to do this as a team? You want to work together as a team? And by the way, when I talked about tracking expenses, if you start tracking expenses, one thing is, most of the time you'll become more conscious of where your money's going and you'll probably spend less. And you should share it with your spouse and even and that'll, that'll give you an initiative to spend even more. So, sorry, spend less, I'm sorry, my apologies. To even spend less if your spouse is going to see where, where your money's going. And if you're single, have an accountability partner, someone that you can be accountable to, that you can show them your finances and get their input. Obviously, you want to go to someone who understands what God's Word says on finances. And of course, you need to, to learn it as well. So I can say this, a lack of planning uh, and, and, and not knowing your financial facts, in other words, making, doing guesswork, is very dangerous. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So it's important to know where you're at financially. The third thing I'd recommend is to prepare a retirement budget. That is your best estimates of the expenses that you will incur during retirement. Uh, often in retirement, um, first of all, by retirement, all your debt should be gone. The mortgage on your home should be gone. And often couples can downsize their homes, so often the house costs are less. But generally, healthcare costs are higher, so you need to factor that in as well. And then as you get the positive cash flow, as you generate a positive cash flow, as you make sure that currently you're spending less than you're earning and, and uh, developing a surplus, start to invest the money for retirement. And the, the biblical principle for investing is, comes in Proverbs 21.5, which says, steady plotting brings prosperity, hasty speculation brings poverty. In other words, invest a little at a time over a long period of time. Even Proverbs 13.11 says, he who gathers money or he who saves money shall make it grow. The concept is to save a little at a time over a long period of time. You do, do, you, so what I, I think you should do is, uh, free up some funds every month. It's $500 a month or $700 or whatever you can afford. Invest in, in a, probably in a balanced portfolio, so diversifying the risk. You can find out more about investing from Chapter 9 of my book, Financial Management God's Way. But invest it. Do that a long period of time. Nobody knows where the markets are going, but long term, generally um, good companies, uh, blue chip companies that pay dividends generally go up. And the next thing I'd say is be very careful with debt. Debt is probably the number one challenge. Too much debt is the number one challenge most people have in this country and around the world. And debt can uh, destroy your financial plan. Uh, it can destroy your financial plan. It can also destroy your marriage because of the stress created by debt. And here's a few key pr biblical principles about debt. First of all, it's not a sin to borrow. It's a sin to borrow, not repay, Psalms 37:21, And it's a bad testimony if you don't pay your, your debts on time. Two, God discourages debt and warns of the dangers of debt. Proverbs 22.7 says you may become a servant to the lender. And when people have a lot of debt, they experience what it's like to be a servant to the lender because just the stress and the anxiety and when the bank tells you to do something, you've got no choice. You're a servant. Um, God doesn't want us to serve lenders. He wants us to serve Him. Number three, the pattern throughout this world is for God to provide for needs with no debt. That's the general pattern is to do it with no debt. And remember this, in Matthew 6, 31 to 33, God promised that if we put him first, he will meet our needs. Jesus said, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So here's my summary on debt. The biblical perspective is we should have minimal debt or no debt. The worldly perspective is to use debt freely, which results in lots of debt. Now let's switch topics a little bit here. What, what about saving? Because see, when it, when it comes to wanting to buy something, you've got two choices. You can either borrow and buy, 
or you can save for future needs and pay cash. The better option from Scripture is to save for future needs and pay cash. Again, Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Here's something to think about. I'm going to challenge your thinking for a bit. First of all, God's perspective is to save for future needs as opposed to the world's perspective, which is to buy now and pay later. Think about this. Since God is in control, Psalms 103.19 says, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. And since God has promised to meet our needs as we put Him first, Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul said that God will meet our needs. He didn't say God in the credit card company or God in the bank. He said God will meet our needs. Is it not reasonable then for Christians to trust God to meet their needs rather than relying on credit cards, personal lines of credits, and other loans? And the answer is yes. And here's the proper application of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. God has promised to direct our paths. He's also promised in Philippians 4, 19, Matthew 6, 31 to 33, to meet our, meet our needs as, as we put Him first. But notice, God never promised to meet our wants and desires, but He does promise to meet our needs. So here's a summary about saving and, and debt in general. The biblical perspective is to use minimal debt and save regularly for future needs and be content with God's provision and timing. As uh, John the Baptist said in Luke 3.14, be content with your pay. The worldly perspective is to use debt freely, buy now and pay later, and just the financial deception from the world is smart people use other people's money. The biblical truth is smart people don't use other people's money. Rather, smart people use as little debt as possible and pay it off as quickly as possible. Now, here's our case study for this session. As usual, the names have been selected at random. But these are, this is a case study that's, that's very common. Harold and Edith are married, and they both, they're both 45 years of age. Unfortunately, over the last 20 years of their marriage, they've only saved $20,000 in their RSPs. They have a large mortgage, two car loans, and a balance of $20,000 on their credit cards and personal line of credit of $50,000. Harold works full-time and Edith works part-time, and overall they have an above-average family income. Now, if you want to see more details about Harold and Edith, go to our website, and I have them on an Excel data file, Forms uh, 1, 2, 3, and 5 of the Copeland Budgeting System. will give you more details, but I think just by watching this video and listening to this program, you're going to understand the biblical principles that are involved here. So here's the question. What biblically-based financial advice would you give to Harold and Edith? Provide a reference to Scripture if you can. So think about that. What biblical financial advice would you give to them? Here's my suggested uh, solutions. Here's what I would advise them to Harold and Edith. First, pray and ask God for His wisdom and His specific direction as they do their financial planning. Uh, every individual and couple situation can be somewhat different, so they need to get God's specific wisdom and direction. Two, determine their financial position by listing out all their assets and liabilities and determine where their expenses are, are going. And again, Forms 1 and 6 of the Copeland Budgeting System can help with that. So they need to know where they're at financially because uh, currently they, they don't. And that's evidenced by the fact that they they got a lot of debt. Develop and implement. Number three is develop and implement a spending plan or budget in order to make sure that they spend less than they earn and they have a positive cash flow. That's biblical and God admonishes us to do that. Number four, use the monthly surplus to first pay off their credit cards then the two car loans, and then make contributions to the retirement plan for retirement so that they can use the 
that'll way they'll build up their retirement plan and use the tax refunds and any other available funds to pay down their mortgage faster. And five, learn and implement what God's Word says on finances as they've likely been violating many biblical principles, probably unknowingly. That number five is probably the most important one. They probably have violated biblical financial principles and they just didn't know because they didn't know what God's Word says on finances. Number six, given their debt load, they will have to learn to be content with a reduced lifestyle in order to pay down debt and save for future needs. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Question, what was Paul's secret to learning contentment? It's given in the scripture. What do you think his secret to learning contentment was? I can tell you, it was his relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Paul developed a very close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he focused on things of eternal value, then he could learn to be content. Remember, Paul wrote this when he was in prison. And I'd say the same thing to you. You can learn to be content if you focus on things of eternal value, because when you do that, the material things which are temporal become a whole lot less important. So, assuming that Harold and Edith learned and implemented biblical financial principles, learned to be content, and paid off their credit cards and their two car loans within three years, it's now age 48. Let's prepare a budget for their retirement and estimate how much they will need to save on a monthly basis to meet their retirement needs by, let's say, 68 years of age, because they're probably going to need till at least then. Now, if you go to the Excel uh, schedules, I, it provides you with the details on that. But let me just say this in principle. What they basically did was they took their current budget, uh, some of the expenses went down. For example, they, they planned and, and uh, that they would downsize their house, so the house expenses went down. They also um, had planned and, and made it so that they, they had no debt at retirement. And, uh, but, of course, health care costs went up. So we allowed for health care go costs going up. But overall, their expenses in retirement was less than what it is uh, during um, uh, now when they're about 48 years of age. The expenses in retirement should generally be less unless you have some very significant health care costs. And uh, so bottom line, they're developing a budget now to make sure they have a surplus to pay down debt and save for future needs such as retirement and health care costs. And then once in re with respect to the, um, the proposed budget for retirement, the numbers will be slightly different. And then you do a, a calculation. You can do it using various programs available on the internet or you can go to our website and you can estimate how much money you need to save each month in order to provide for retirement needs. And for this couple, it was about $1,000 per month is what they needed in order to save for retirement. And uh, if they follow these biblical principles and exercise the discipline, they'll probably be just fine. So here's a summary of this session. Number one, pray and ask God for His wisdom and His specific direction throughout the process. The financial plan for one individual or couple could be very different than someone else. To develop and implement a budget or cash flow plan to ensure you have sufficient monthly surplus, that's to pay down debt and obviously save for future needs. Number three, use a surplus of monthly cash to pay down the debt, save for future needs, and especially pay down things like credit cards first. Uh, they're the most expensive. Get rid of that. Number four, set aside a portion of your monthly surplus in cash to save for short-term financial needs such as next year's vacation, annual insurance premiums, and house repairs. Now, if you look at form number three of the Copeland Budgeting System, it'll help you do that. It can be downloaded for free from copelandfinancialministries.org. Number five, save for medium-term financial needs such as automobile replace and children's education. Number six, as soon as you're able, save and invest on a monthly basis, probably through your retirement savings plan for your retirement years. 
Number seven, save for children's education through a registered education savings plan. And then do some biblically-based estate planning. Include such estate planning in your will. And we'll talk more about that later. One final that key scripture I'd like to leave with you. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. May the Lord direct you according to his specific will. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.